Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and sometime co-host, Ms. Purrington. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. You can keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at Comedy Wham or on our Comedy Wham Facebook page. Please rate and review us on iTunes. In addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, live shows at Castro's and Lakeway, and an Austin comedy events page for live shows. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations, and we usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. And right now, really kind of the only one in the country, it feels like. Uh, today, I am bringing to you a, uh, the producer for Rough Cut Comedy, who that uh, brings you shows like Hot Cakes, Sherlock Showcase, Comedy WTF Night, Wise Quacks Comedy Show. I'm going to run out of air before this list ends. Uh, Big Dish Roast Battle and Lucky Duck Open Mic. Uh, uh, our guest is from Madison, where he produced tons of shows, many of which he's continued on the stages of Austin. And the latest, biggest news is his connection with the announcement that Creek in the Cave, the vaunted uh, club in New York City, would be opening in Austin. And now Comedy Wham presents our guest, Marty Clark. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hey, hey, Valerie. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely, Marty. I know that is quite the, quite the long the, the long intro there with all these all these shows we ended up setting up. <laughs> Yeah, and, and essentially a show a night, right? It's basically the pace you're on. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, we had in um in January, we had 27 shows in the month of January. And then I think uh, we just set an up in every another every Sunday show. So uh, in the month of March, I think there's only one day that we don't have a, a rough cut comedy show. So it's pretty crazy. Wow. Wow. And, and uh, you and I both know that your April is, is going to get really wild and crazy. So we'll, we'll get to that for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so I like to kick these off with an icebreaker question. Mm-hmm. That is one word to describe your past. Ooh. Um, it's a, uh, it's a lucky Lucky would be one word to describe my past. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a producer, but you are also a comic. And my cat just really wants to participate in this interview. Sometimes she's really interested and other times she could care less. But she's <laughs> very interested in what you have to say, Marty. Uh, <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> which, which came first for you? Because you seem really strong at both. Okay, we're going to, you're going to scram. Sorry. But everybody <laughs> Just listening, wondering why I'm just having these side conversations. It's Miss Perry's fault. Um, <laughs> for you, which came first, comedy, uh, performing as a comic, or, or producing? Sure. Um, so yeah, it was. A, it also it started with performing. Um, I, I didn't really, I didn't necessarily get into comedy to be on the production side of it. And I, I happen to even, uh, truth be told, I'm not even a big. It's not even that much fun for me, honestly. I just do it for to give myself and others stage time. And I mean, there's just a lot that goes into producing. Um, but I think I think most comics started that way. Like they started in comedy and then they realized, oh, I could become a producer. Um, so when I started in Madison, Wisconsin about eight years ago, there was only one, like one or two monthly shows. There was maybe two open mics or so. Um, I mean, it's a great city. I'd, got, I'd gotten out of college there. And so then I got t- talked into going to an open mic. And then through going to the open mic a couple of times, I was like, you know, there's just, 
if you want to get good, you got to get as much stage time as possible. What do you do if there's not stage time? You build it yourself. So I went to a bunch of bars and, you know, by the time I had left Madison about two years ago, um, I, I kind of did the same thing that Rough Cut did down here. Uh, we were called, we were called ironically Capital City Comedians um, up in Madison. And I had a whole bunch of, sh- I had a whole bunch of shows up there. Kind of not, I'd say not nearly as many as I have down here, but a good amount. There was, there was times when we had maybe like 14 or 15 shows in a month up there. And, um, and then I kind of took it, took that same idea down here. Uh, like pre-COVID, though, I, pre-COVID, I was maybe I was maybe only hosting about three or four shows, and then uh, for some reason, you know, there's just kind of a kind of a void and in comedy. Everyone was kind of scared to go out, but then when open mics started coming back, I said, yeah, I, I went to a couple of them. I think Micheladas was the first one, and then I went to uh, to Opa, and I went to those, and I was like, oh wow, I really miss comedy, and it gave me it just gave me that urge to get back on stage, and I was like, uh, you know, everything was kind of coming back slowly, and I was like, you know, if we can do it in a safe way or as safe as possible. And people want to watch live comedy. Why not try to bring it back? And then so I just started with the Lucky Duck open mic. Then I got the uh, every Monday at WTF, every Tuesday at Baker Street. Uh, we started just getting the shows just started building on and on. And then the Rough Cut just kind of got known as a, a good, you know, great shows that we put on all over town. So from from that, lo and behold, here we are. And then that's kind of also how then the whole idea of bringing the creek in the cave down here from New York kind of came about. So that's why it kind of goes back to that one word. Lucky is it's because even um. It was funny, even just starting my Lucky Duck open mic, which was the biggest one. Like week two, we had like 62 people who came out. It was crazy. There was everybody was chomping at the bit to get back on stage. And so we had that. We started that open mic and I was actually on my way to a different venue. I can't even remember where it was. And it was uh, I didn't have a car at the time. So I was just walking there. I was walking down East 6th Street. And then there were these three guys just standing outside of what is what I now know is Lucky Duck. Uh, and they were standing outside because they were about to open it, open it back up. And so I just ran into them and I was like, hey, what do you guys got in there? Is that a new bar? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, oh, can I check it out? You have a great back area. And, you know, back then, nobody really wanted to do anything indoors anyway. So uh, I was like, you know, you got a great back area. It's fenced in. Would you ever think about doing comedy shows? And they were like, actually, we were literally just talking about that. So just, you know, by chance, by luck, I just happened to run into these guys that started up what I think was like the kind of the launching point for a lot of the rough cuts stuff coming back, just mm-hmm. showing that. We could run an open mic. The comedians all liked it. I mean, if, if you haven't, um, if, uh, I guess I don't, I don't think I've seen you oops, at the uh, Lucky Duck open mic, but it is, it, they try to do it as safe as they can because those tables are super spread apart. I mean, even, even, though, even before when we were maybe more at our worst and people were more scared to come out, you really needed to play it, be as safe as you possibly could. So I, that's what I did. I sanitized the mic in between each comedian for a while. Um, I made it so, you know, those tables were really far apart. I mean, some people would just come in, stand in the back, get the fenced area, do their set, and then leave right away. And, you know, it's it was just COVID kind of gave us as comedians same reason that we do a lot of Zoom stuff. And there's so many Zoom shows. We kind of had to adapt. And, you know, comedy is so many people love it. And comedy is what I've always loved. And I figured, you know, if, if I'm going to adapt and start stuff up, then that's the way to do it. I mean, it was kind of like, um, I mean, Austin has such, has had such a great comedy scene and I got lucky and there were so many good comedians. And I think with Rogan moving down here and so many comics that followed him, it really gave me a good opportunity to kind of be that, that ambassador. Cause I kind of knew the old scene, although I wasn't too into the old scene um, in like show wise, but I kind of knew what they were. And I knew that Austin had something special and a great comedy scene, even before COVID and Joe Rogan moved down here and all these, 300 other comedians that have moved into town in the last two months. Right. 
Right. Uh, so I think I was kind of a little bit, of, it kind of helped to be that bridge between what Austin used to be, keeping, paying homage to that. And then also how we've had to adapt to a lot of all these new sh- shows, new comedians, new, I mean, all the way down to new comedy clubs, you know? So it's, um, it's been a good position to be in, I think. Yeah. Let's go in the Wayback Machine. Where did you grow up? Sure. So um, it's, uh, I, I moved around not a ton, but I, um, I was born in Denver, Colorado, actually. I, uh, I don't remember being there because I only lived there until I was like three or four. Um, and then we moved to Ohio. So my childhood is mostly Ohio. Uh, it's split between uh, Hudson, Ohio, near Cleveland, and then uh, Granville, Ohio, which is about 30 minutes east of Columbus. Kind of a small town. And then I moved, uh, I moved right before high school, started right before ninth grade. I moved up to Port Washington, Wisconsin. Um, which was, it was a big move for me. Uh, it wasn't, I remember I was, I was not the happiest about it when my parents told me that because I had, I had all these friends. And back then, I mean, I don't even, we did, we did have like AOL instant messenger, but like I wasn't emailing people. I was a kid. I, I like kind of lost a lot of my great friends, you know, that I'd grown up with. So I remember really not being happy about moving to Wisconsin. In fact, uh, it was, my parents told me on, a, on Christmas Day, they buttered me up with a bunch of presents. Oh. And they said, oh, by the way, in six months, we're moving from Ohio to Wisconsin. And actually, what they said was, we're, uh, we're leaving Ohio, we're moving to Milwaukee. And I'm so bad at geography. I was like, we're moving to the state of Washington? I thought I was going way over to the West Coast. But <laughs> nope, that's in Wisconsin. So <laughs> I found that out. Uh, but then, yeah, I was like, all I knew about Wisconsin was like cheese and it's up north. I love cheese. I know that. And cows. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so then we moved up to Port Washington, which is kind of another kind of small town. It's uh, north of Milwaukee, so but it's, I tell people it's about it's around Milwaukee. Um, so I went to high school up there, and then went to the college, uh, college at the University of Wisconsin. I was a Badger for six years. I loved it so much, I just didn't want to leave. I just kept going back. <laughs> um, but I had a great time in college, and then I loved Madison. And right around maybe like my fourth or fifth year of college was kind of when I got uh, when I got pushed into uh, into comedy and. I just got talked into doing an open mic one day with, with my friends and whenever there, I loved it. I got the bug and I like, I, I lucked out. I had a really good first set. And so it just gave me like, I had goosebumps for like the rest of the night. And I was like, Oh, I found what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, so yeah. Good. Go How did you, or did you prepare for that first time since you were goaded kind of by your friends? Did you just wing it or did you pr- actually prepare? Um, I prepared with a lot of alcohol. <laughs> I, got a, I got a little toasty because I was pretty nervous. Yeah. Um, I hadn't really been on stage before. I wasn't really, I wasn't really a much of a performer. Like I did, I did band and stuff growing up. Um, I was, I played saxophone. I played piano. I, I was in jazz band, steel drum band. I did have some solos in jazz band. I remember when I would like play solos on my saxophone, but I was never really a performer. I didn't really do, it's not that I had stage fright. I just never had a chance to do it. And I played, um, I, ne- I never really did theater when I was in school, so I never had any experience with that. Although I did know that I was, I was okay in front of people. I mean, I, like even, I played a lot of sports in high school, and so I, I was kind of like, I was a captain of a couple teams, and I could kind of rally the troops and stuff. I just never performed anything that was like dramatic or, co- or comedic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know, I just kind of wrote some, I remember I wrote a little bit of jokes that, that day because I within like an hour before going up because they told me they're like, oh, there's an open mic every Wednesday at Comedy on State, which is a great club in Madison. And I was like, I was like, ah, you know what? Maybe I'll do that. And so uh, so they were like, we drank a couple beers and then I wrote down my three minute set, went over and signed up. And Comedy has, on State has this really cool uh, policy where if you're going up for your first time, then they like have to put you up which is great because like 60 people would sign up for that open mic and they only put up like 20. 
But if it's your first time, just to be like, you know, like supportive, like, hey, like, congratulations for coming out and trying it. We'll put you up. Um, so I, I got up that night and it went, it went really well. Um, it was, it was a good, good first set. And then, and like I said, I got, I got that bug. And then so I just didn't, I knew I knew I needed more stage time to get better quicker. And so I just started, um, started a couple of shows here and there. And then uh, my friend Anthony gave me um, this mic that was called the Argus open mic. It was, it was like the, the second biggest one in town, the second longest running. I think it was running for like 11 years. That was like the only other mic for a long time. So it was kind of like a big deal that when he gave it over to me, and then he, uh, it kind of led, that kind of led me down my, uh, my policy of, of how I see comedy and how I see new comics. Cause he, what he told me was this mic specifically, there are so many new people and so many people that have never done stand up that you have to be as supportive as possible. So you have to be nice to everybody. When somebody's new to comedy, you know, shake their hand, look them in the eye, be nice to them, introduce them to people. So my friend, Anthony Syragoose really, really inspired me and like pushed that into my head which is kind of how I, which is exactly how I do on my stuff now. I remember my, um, the Lucky Duck mic, especially with there being so many new people. I, did, I realized it once, and I didn't really know that many people myself. So I started, once I started talking to people that were coming to my mic, I was like, wow, that's like 50 new comics that had just moved in or like in the last, you know, year or so in Austin. So what I did is I just, I try to be really, really welcoming as I could be. I'd sit them down next to me, like one specifically, um, Nick Rose, she runs his Sunday mic at Sand Jack. Yeah. I remember it was, the, he, it was the first one he came out to. He said he moved to Austin three days ago from Connecticut. And he looked just kind of like, he looked a little bit shy. And so I was like, all right, you're sitting next to me. So I sat, I made him sit next to me. And every other 60 comedians that came up, I was like, this is my friend, Nick. He's new to town. Hey, this is so-and-so. And I just thought that that's the way to be supportive in a scene rather than being at each other's throats and all competitive. I've always, it's such a click, like comedy in general is so clicky a lot in some scenes that, I never really liked that. I was like, it's not us against them or them against them or territorial. It should just be, we're all just the island of misfit toys. We all just want friends, <laughs> you know? So that's why we, uh, I kind of run my mics how I do, which was a long-winded answer to your question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you you produced a, a, a variety of shows uh, when you were in Madison. And what was it that that inspired you to, to make the move? Um, oh, that's a good, good question. Well, it's um, kind of a long story. It was a little bit of two things. It was one thing, a girl, for sure. I had, um, it's always is, I had a bad, bad issue that came out of that. Um, and so that kind of pushed me away. And then it really was about half that and then a half. I'd been doing comedy in Madison for like five or six years and I'd done a lot. And I'd been, I'd been all around. I could go to like Chicago, like whenever I wanted, I'd go to Milwaukee and do shows. And, and I, and I liked those and those places were great. And usually I'd go on little like mini Midwest tours or go or like drive around the state or even go to Michigan. Um, so I kind of realized I'd, I'd done most of what I could do in, especially the city of Madison. Yeah. Um, Cause I was running most of the shows there. I was, um, I, you know, I, I was performing at comedy on state. Comedy on state is a fantastic club. One of the best Madison only has the one club and you know, as great as it is, it's a perfect place to get started. I knew I had to make, I knew I had to make the jump eventually. Like nobody usually, I mean, in comedy, you usually have to move to either New York or LA, or at least in my mind, that was the case. You had to pick a coast. Um, or we kind of had a really good middle ground of Chicago because it's right. It's two hours away from Madison. It's that's got a great, huge comedy scene itself. And I thought about Chicago. That was on my list. It was really between um, Chicago and Austin because I, I knew I wasn't ready to move to New York or LA. I wasn't a nationally touring headliner yet. I had headlined some shows. I think at the time I was an okay road feature. Um, but I knew I, I, I wasn't ready. I can't remember who it was, but there was this 
I think it might've been John Doerr, but I, I opened up for John Doerr once and we were hanging out and he said, um, he said to me, he's like, here's the thing. Always remember this. You can only make a first impression once. So if you go out to New York and you're not ready, then you get pigeonholed as an open micer. Or, you know, if you go to LA and you're not ready to, to you know, for your sets that you're going to get at the comedy store or whatever, guess what? You're probably not going to get passed because you're not good enough. So he's like, he, I think it was him and uh, I think Nate Bargatze might've said it too, who I love, but they said, they're like, you know, there's a lot of these middle ground cities and states. And, and I've been down through Austin twice before. I love the city. I love the comedy scene. And so I just did a, I just happened to call up my friend, um, my friend, Martin Hen, which is ironically Marty Martin, but yeah. my friend, Martin Hen, he lives down here and he had been here for maybe about two years and he really liked the scene. And so I was talking to him on the phone and he convinced me to move down here. And like six days later, I got on an airplane and took my back. All I, had, all I came down here with was a backpack full of clothes. And now, wow. you know, two years later, here I am. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, that's impressive. Yeah, we we uh, got to know Martin from uh, he did our our online show a mm. few times, and we got to know his his dog. <laughs> oh yeah, Mal, he's the best. Yeah, yeah. No, Martin's a great guy. He he was uh, him and I. He, he was the guy that we used to go kind of on those cross country little mini tours together because okay. we call it like the Marty and Martin tour, and it was and and it's similar. Him and I do kind of have a side. We're both from Wisconsin. Both have the beard. It's everybody used to get us uh, mixed. Up all the time, coming on state would tag me and hit pictures of him, and oh man, he gets so angry. <laughs> it's <was> great. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right, so uh, in a no holds barred approach, so one of the shows that I know you were doing in Madison that I that I, I saw that you you tried to do here in Austin, and I don't know if maybe one day you'll bring it back, but I think Austin just wasn't ready for is your skinny dip show. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it, it's madison and i assume you could only do the, that show in the summertime because it's cold up there oh uh, actually no i did we, i did it all the way through the winter time and i would be um i would be because i would host it i'd host the whole show like just in my in my skivvies in my underwear and uh i would be, it was funny because yeah i'd be like i'd have to go run in my car in my skivvies when i was freezing cold but uh, those were those were some cold days. I mean, as cold as it is right now in Austin, it was still a thousand times colder in Madison. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I do actually, I think I am going to bring that um bring that show back. I'm probably going to bring it back to uh to the club to when the Creek in a Cave opens. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, I, uh huh. Yeah. I've never never been to one of the shows, but I would listen to a podcast up in New York and and um or based in New York, and the hosts of the podcast would would talk about being on this show uh the version that they have there and i i just you know have a lot of uh a lot of questions about that type of show do you does it rely on the audience being ready for it does it does it rely on the comics obviously they have to agree to to be on the show does it create Mm -hmm. weird dynamics uh male versus female and as a, a, a comic producing a show that kind of pushes a lot of these types of questions, mm. they, uh, what inspired you to do that type of show and how did you work through, uh, okay, I'm kind of advancing a, a weird concept, but I know it's been done elsewhere, so I know that it can be done. Um, I'm going to go ahead and do that show. Right, That's- right. Yeah, and I did. Um, that's kind of where it, what it came out of was there is um, I remember something 
I think it was in New York and I think it was called Strip Co- or Strip Joker. I think that's what it was, Strip Joker, because I liked that name, but I knew I couldn't use that name unless I asked them and then it would just be copying. But I'd seen those shows kind of all over where it was um, like there was the, somehow, you know, they would take their clothes off. And so I did a lot of research about like which ones worked, what the rules were, how they produced it. And I knew I would be in kind of a tough spot producing that as a um, as a straight white male, honestly, because a lot of them are produced by A, by women, and B, they're very, they're a lot in the LGBTQ community because it's kind of burlesque. And so I thought I came up with the best way in my mind to produce that show, which was, uh, I always said it was always um, about body positivity and supportiveness. Mm-hmm. And so the way I said it really in Madison was it wouldn't be as much as I'm a, a, a thinner, straight white male, the, it, it would be such a wide range of people that like on the show. And like I said, it would always be body, body positive. So even if there was like, um, if there was, you know, some, somebody who was like, a, you know, a less, a less more, for, I don't know how to say this, like a not the best looking person, that kind of person. Yeah. If they went up there, those were actually the best sets because every single time they take an article of clothing off, I'd ring a bell and I'd keep ringing it. And then um, my DJ would play like some kind of like stripper music or some kind of like burlesque risque music. So then when they were like actually doing the, the action of taking their clothes off, it was kind of like a strip club type of vibe, but with like cheering. And I went to a, excuse me, I went to a whole bunch of um, burlesque shows in Madison. It's like, I know a lot of the burlesque, uh, some of the burlesque scene, same with like the drag scene. There was a lot of drag shows around that I'd go to with my friends. And so I was always, and I have a lot of LGBTQ friends, honestly. And so between that, uh, I would always, I would definitely always, push that into there. Like, for example, there was this one, um, there was this one uh, transgender person that was in Madison that was in a scene. And they told me after the show, uh, they're, they, they got a little bit emotional. They were like, that just meant so much to me that I could take my clothes off and feel comfortable and have people cheering for me in that, in that way. And that it meant a lot to me. And that stuck with me. And I was just like, that's what this show is about, is people feeling comfortable and happy and getting down to your skaters and being like proud of your like bad tattoos that you have of your ex and stuff. It's <laughs> yeah. just, that's, that, that's always... So I, I built that show into something really special up there, and it it, it got nominated for some kind of LGBTQ um, support award too, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and so I knew if I knew especially the way I wanted to run it and the way I, to keep the right vibe of the show, I knew it couldn't it couldn't be toxic. It couldn't be toxic masculinity. It couldn't be anything that had anything to be to do with judging people. It had to be supportive. And I knew supportiveness was the cornerstone of that show, and so I brought it down here. And it started up and it went, it did go pretty well. I think I, I did it for like five months before COVID hit down here. Um, and it, it's, it was going, it was going pretty well. I think it was, I just wasn't, I mean, even my shows I was producing before COVID hit were just, they weren't nearly on anywhere near the scale I'm producing that now, which was, it's just great to be, like I said, I'm very lucky. Um, but yeah, but that show specifically, I, I, I like, I, I like the idea of, of the supportiveness of, of that show. And doing kind of offshoot comedy shows has always helped because you can only have so many showcases where it's four comedians or five comedians going up there and doing 10 minutes because especially if they're in the close vicinity and it's like comedy night here, comedy night here, they're all free shows. It can just be, you can saturate saturate a market or at least that's how I saw it. And so you want to have as many like one, one off or gimmicky shows as you, as you can. That's why I have a storytelling show and that's why I have a roast battle show. Um, I have it like that's why I like to run shows with bands in there. Just something that gives it some kind of reason for people to come out on like other than because like, they have to, if they have to choose between a regular comedy show and a comedy show where it's a burlesque comedy show and the comedians are taking their clothes off. Like it just helps. It, it helps to bring people out. So now I always like those kind of shows, you know. Yeah. 
so I imagine that you you got pushback, whether it was that show or any of the other shows that you've done. Um, and I don't want to. I my 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 where I'm going with the question isn't to focus on any pushback that you got, but what did you? as a comic and as a uh, producer, what did you learn from the experience of people pushing back on, oh, you've got this concept show and blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, and I mean, I, honestly, I haven't really gotten gotten much pushback about anything really. I mean, I've, the only pushback I've gotten has been, I've just heard kind of some, somewhat through the grapevine of somebody saying, you know, I can't believe there's any live comedy shows going on at all. And the thing is, they're entitled to that opinion. That they, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't tell anybody, I'm not going to make anybody come out. If people, if people don't feel comfortable coming out or doing an indoor show or like, because running all these shows, I, I get asked that question by a lot of the comics, especially if they're coming back out and um, they haven't done anything in six months or nine months and they're, they're coming out to their first live show. They're going to call me and ask me like, Hey, what are your safety procedures? I mean, you do a great job doing it yourself with those bags and everybody's individual mics. And, um, and so like, I, that's the only, the only pushback that I've gotten about really running any shows has only been from people that are like, I can't believe there's live, live stand-up comedy going on at all right now in the world. And so yes. it's not even specifically about me or my shows. It's more just the idea of having live comedy shows they're mad at. And I happen to be the person who was running live comedy shows at the time. Um, but even the pushback, you know what, like I said, I, I don't, I don't blame those people. It's not like, it's not like when I, whenever I read something online or like I was making like a mental note in my head being like, Oh, you know, they're, they're talking crap about me or something like that. I knew that everybody, I mean, it's, this has just been a crazy year or two, you know, since 20, well, 2020 was, but it was just such a crazy year that it's just, I just don't, everybody's scared. I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of, everybody got depressed. We all had to sit inside for six months. People were dying. We didn't know what we were going to do. We didn't know when or if life would return to the way it used to be. And so sometimes that fear can come out and misplaced anger. And I always, I always kind of pay attention to that because the thing is, even if, you know, it's just some of the people that have been that at first were like, I can't believe that comedians are going out now that we've been doing this for four months and they can tell, yeah, these shows aren't making people sick. Like so some comics have gotten COVID. We don't know. We've I've never, never from being exposed at a show, but either way, um, that now those that some people are like seeing that it is safe to come back out. And I want those people to feel welcome when they come back out because it's a different, it's a different, uh, there's a lot of new, new shows, new people um, in Austin. And so and when people are coming back out or if they just moved here and they're coming back out, that's what I was saying. The whole idea of welcomeness has always been, it's always been paramount to how I run anything really. Um, but then all the, like I said, a little bit of pushback that I've gotten, I never really took personally. I just, I was like, yeah, you know, you're like I said, you're entitled to your opinion. That sucks. You know, same thing. I mean, my my, my grandma was mad that there was people going to the grocery store. So like, there's gonna be anger, you know, somewhere. And it's uh, you know, and it's online. My thing too is I'm I'm terrible at social media. I hate it. I never even look at it. I'm just such an old soul. I think I just hate technology. I really do. That's why I, that's why I didn't. I never really did any Zoom shows because I don't think that I translate over Zoom well. I just like being live and I. I hate my phone even. I hate it all. But um, so uh, I just stay off of social media. I don't really care what people say on there really. And, you know, even um, even with like, you know, opening up a comedy club in town, some people are going to be mad about that. There's going to be mad people mad about anything you do, regardless of where you are in life. So what you do is you just keep your friends close and you surround yourself by with positive, good people. 
I want to pick up on something that you said a little bit ago where you said you, you were producing shows before everything shut down due to COVID. And now you feel like, uh, and I don't, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. You said something to the effect or the way I heard it was uh, before the shutdown, I was running shows. They were, they were fine. But then after COVID and things started showing up, like I've been on, on fire essentially. And you've like, really figured out how to produce shows produce produce multiple shows what do you think it was that clicked for you to make that happen sure um i think you know i, I think i really was just in i was in a really good position just be a, because it kind of it didn't reset the comedy scene like there was obviously austin had a great comedy scene that's what brought me down here it had a great scene before with great shows great comedians i really liked it but it kind of reset it in my mind because none of those things had come back yet or like, or I, and I didn't hear they were even planning on it. Um, <clears throat> actually what's, what's funny is it, it was really, um, it was July 6th, I believe was the day, but I was, uh, I was going to, this, this is how it kind of all started was I was going to walk, I was walking to the gas station. Cause I, so I was on unemployment. I had nothing, no job going on. I couldn't work from home really. Cause I had like really, or I had a crappy computer, but anyways, I was on unemployment doing nothing really all day. I was, I was kind of, I was going on walks by the river and I was hanging out with my friend Avi a lot, but I was just doing nothing for about six months. I didn't know if comedy would come back. I didn't know what was going to happen really. So then one day I was just walking to the gas station down the road to go get a Gatorade uh, because I was hungover, to be honest with you. <laughs> I was a little bit hungover from the night before. So I'm walking to go get a Gatorade and I run into Gabe Cavazos. I just ran right into him like because he, he was right over by um, uh, down on 6th Street at the end of 6th Street and he was with his wife. And so I started talking, hey, we're going to the pro a big protest. We're at APD in the Capitol. And so he's like, we're going to the protest. Like, come with. And I was just like, I was like, yeah. I mean, I was planning on kind of checking him out eventually someday that, that day anyways. So I was like, okay. So I went with him and his wife to the protest. He happened to be with like a big group of comedians. Um, so like, I'm, like, that's where I met Andres Rodriguez. That's where I met Craig Fergola. Um, I know, uh, I know like Simply Courtney, he came out with us one day. And so going out that, to that first thing and being part of those protests and being part of something that was like cool and powerful. And I mean, honestly, just being after doing nothing for six months, I felt like I was doing something that was meaningful again. So then I started going out every day. So I went out to, uh, 10 days in a row, like just from like noon to one in the morning, um, mostly with the comedians because we had this big comedian group. So I kind of got that. It was just by luck, like I said, that I ran into Gabe Cavazos, started going to those protests with all the comedians. Um, started hanging out with them. And then from that, then like Craig Fergola was one. He, uh, he's the one who convinced me to go to Micheladas the first time. Then I went to Micheladas and I was like, I got that, I got the urge back and I got the feeling back. And I was like, oh, that's right. Like if there's open mics, if there's two already, I think I can make there be more. So then I started my Lucky Duck open mic. Uh, and then from that, I think in terms of clicking, it was just, it was just kind of luck that it was, I was the third mic in town and then my mic just started blowing up and it was really good. And I know how to run an open mic because I ran an open mic for five years in Wisconsin. And I know how to run like just even like hosting hosting wise. And I think and then the idea of how uh, welcoming and supportive I was to everybody. I think the new comics like that because there was a lot of people that were trying to follow Rogan down here. And so I, I think then once that Lucky Duck open mic just started going, um, then I, I just reset. I was like, OK, now I want to now I want to get some showcases. There weren't any showcases running in town that were like live showcases. So then um I think I think I just happened to be looking at uh, the Facebook when it was like the guy from WTF posted on there. Um, hey, does anybody want to run a showcase with us? And I because I, they were just starting to bring stuff back. I just happened to be online. I, I hit him up. I'm like, yes, I would love to do that. And then once my shows just started going well 
And like the audience members started liking him. Rough Cut started catching on and catching on. Uh, Brendan Gay, who, just, who had just moved here from New York, um, he just moved into town and I'd known him from Wisconsin. I knew him. He did some of my shows in Madison. He was like a Chicago guy who just moved to New York maybe two or three years ago. And then he moved down to Austin because he saw that New York wasn't going to be open for live shows for a long time. Mm-hmm. So then he moved down to Austin because of that, like in the fall. I happened to just run into him. I was like, yeah, man, I'm starting to run shows. If you want to help me out. He started running shows on the Rough Cut, too. The Rough Cut name started building and building. And then it just, the shows went well. Like I said, it just producing good shows that the comedians felt safe at, that the venues really liked working with us, and that the audience members enjoyed and came back to. And so being kind of the only person running comedy stuff in town was awesome. Yeah. And then so they, um, uh, so after that, oh, and then, then venues started coming to me. And that, that was what was great. I went on like this venue search where what I did was I took like 250 live music venues in town that I knew had live music like at some point while being open. Figured out which ones were still open, figured out what their stage looked like. And I, I went like I personally went into about 40 of them and just like see what they were doing see, and ask them if they would like to do shows. So I just put out a wide net, found what venues I liked that I could run good shows at. And then I just started, I just kept adding on and adding on and adding on. And then, like I said, even just the whole idea of me not having a job at the time, that helped so much because I used to be, when I was running shows pre-COVID, I had two jobs. I was a bartender and I was working at another restaurant. And it's just hard to throw yourself fully into that when you're tired because you're doing a full-time job or two. And so not having a job and giving me the time to, to set up these shows, to do them right, to make sure everything's working out well, having that time, like it, that helped too. Like, like, like I said, it's just stars align into making all this work out. And then even all the way up to um, even all the way up to this comedy club. So that, that's that's a great story, too. I was yeah. uh, I was at my wise quack show at Lucky Duck one night. The day that the day before that or the, like the daytime of that same day, I was just out and I was at um, Iron Cactus. And I just happened to run into this dude. He just like he was uh, he's honestly he was kind of drunk and it was like 1 p.m. And I was just like, I love this guy. So he uh, just came up to our table and started talking to us. And it turned out that he was, uh, he worked for a, a VC firm, for a venture capitalist, like an investment firm. He was just in town for a couple of days from uh, Washington, D.C. So he was celebrating. I gave him, I was like, I can give you free tickets to my show tonight. He came to that show. So then after, it was a great show. It was a packed out show. Hunter Duncan was headlining. Great show. Then after the show, we went out for a drink with this guy. <coughs> Excuse me, me and Gabe Cavazos. And he brought up, he's like, hey, you guys should open up a comedy club if your shows are going so well. And I was like, I would never even a million years think about opening a comic club. There's no way. I don't want to manage it. I don't want to be a part of it. And then he's like, all right, well, I work for an investment firm and we would invest in something like that if you do it. And I was just like, I was like, all right, and that's not going to happen, dude. And he's like, all right, well, think about it. So that night I just went home. And then again, like luck and stars aligning. I just happened to be watching this podcast where, um, where Rebecca Trent from the Creek in the Cave, New York, she was on the podcast. And she was talking about how sad she was that, it, that the Creek in the Cave should shut down. And I knew what it was for years. It's, yeah. it's a gem of New York comedy scene. It, was, it was, had such a legacy of being supportive of the comics. Everybody talked about like the big comic potlucks they'd have for Thanksgiving there. She'd do crawfish boils there. It was like the home to so many comedians. And I just loved that and respected it. And if I was ever going out to New York, that was going to be the first place I would want to perform. Mm-hmm. So then um, uh, she, was, she happened to be on there. And then I just, on a, on a whim at 5.30 in the morning, I just texted her. Uh, I, I sent her a Facebook message saying, hey, would you ever consider relocating down to Austin and bringing down the Creek in a cave with you? And, you know, she texted me right away and she said she was, she just happened to be up for, even though it was six 30 in the morning, New York time, she just happened to be up that morning, which she's never up that early in the morning. So then she texted me back right away saying, yes, call me in three hours. So then I called her in three hours, explained what I was doing with rough cut, 
how, uh, you know, that, that we might have some, some, a way to get some money to reopen that and then continue her legacy, but in Austin, Texas. And she was just like, let's do it. So then we flew her down here. We, we searched out a venue spot. We lined everything up. And then less than two months after I hit her up was when we made the announcement that we were opening up the Creek in a Cave down here. Yeah, that's uh, both lucky and crazy. Because I yeah, oh. Well, there's, there's been so many uh, sorry um there's been so many uh crazy crazy things that have gone for this like even at one point uh because i think it's, it's one of the it's definitely the craziest thing that i've done in my life and at one point i'm gonna really want to like like i, I did I actually had my lucky duck open mic last wednesday we were kind of celebrating with everybody in the scene there was like 70 plus comedians there they were all just like celebrating like oh we're gonna cave we're gonna have our own club because that's what it is it's the scenes club and i love that about it and so we were celebrating and i took instead of hosting and usually telling jokes up top and doing like up front, I went up there and I just told it like the 10 minute story of how this comedy club came together. And it felt, it felt like that. Uh, it felt like like the movie, the night, the night's tale. I was rallying my troops. Even after I told everybody, I was like, just dive into the deep end. If you have fear, you know, put that fear aside and go for it. Cause that was what we did. That's why I reached out to her things. The universe sometimes just gives you things and it's, and it works out. Like even to the point of like we, we almost lost this place with the place we got that's old old Barracuda at six eleven East Seventh Street. We almost lost this spot like three times. At one point we had one of our investors come out. Uh, at one point we we couldn't sign the lease because we didn't know if we had like if everything else was gonna work out. So you know what I did? I went in there and I signed the lease myself and I was so I was personally liable for it. I was just like we're gonna do this. I was like I fully believe in this and that it's gonna happen. And so. Just, you know, that's what that was the whole point of my rallying the troops uh, speech at my open mic because, you know, jump into the deep end. And it was great. Even Matt Boyd went up after and he's like, does anybody else feel like they want to uh, follow Marty in the war right now? <laughs> <laughs> it was it was um, it's, it's just it's a, it's an even to me, it's an inspiring story. It's something that I never thought would happen and something that's just going to be cool for everybody because it's it's a comedy club for the entire scene. It's not going to be competitive or clicky. It's going to be I mean. And we're going to have everything. We're Like I said, even that skinny dip show I want to bring in, we're going to have a burlesque night. We're going to have nights where we're going to have bands in there from lo like local bands from Austin. It's going to be supportive of all different arts in Austin, especially the comedy scene, which is going to be great. Yeah. yeah. Since you are so uh, well connected through with and know who are the comics that are going out and performing right now, how did you... Um, pick your your team so Colton Dowling has been named as a co-owner and Gabe Cavazos how did you uh, I mean it sounds like you you had this relationship with Gabe so you know you you trusted mm. him and, and were friends with him how did you know how did you pick them as your as your team sure um and it's uh it, it kind of was another one of those things of being lucky like I remember I've known Colton for a while. He came up with, um, like, after Martin Hannon moved down here, he brought Colton up, and I met him in Madison. And him and I kind of clicked immediately. Like, he's just, him and I are just on the same wavelength. So, uh, and then I worked with Rough Cut before. So, like, my three or four shows that I was running pre-COVID, um, I met up with Gabe Cavazos because, like, he saw me that I was running shows, and I knew what I knew what Rough Cut was, the shows he was running. And so we just met up one day, and we were like, hey, do we want to partner up? I told him what I did in Madison, how I ran all those shows up there. He was like, that's perfect. Let's run some shows and you can help me with rough cut. So he brought me on to rough cut comedy before, um, but before the COVID hit. And so we worked together on that. And then actually then um, we, when South by got canceled, <coughs> excuse me, South by got canceled like that made that big announcement. So me and um, I, I don't know why we were just thinking about me and Gabe were like, 
we were like, you know what, let's run a festival. I don't even know how this came, came to be, but me, Gabe and Colton decided like, we're going to put on this festival. We were going to call it the bat shit crazy comedy festival. We were going to put it on. It was going to be at, um, Edwin's and Edwin's Waller and then uh, Parker's Jazz Club. So we had like two locations. We were going to run it two days, have shows both days. We lined up sponsors. We put together a comedy festival in like nine days total. So we knew that we could work together well and we could work on a time frame that was really short. So we already liked each other. We liked working together, which ended up that festival ended up, we ended up having to cancel it, which really sucked because we put a ton of work in, a ton of work into that. And then having to cancel that was disappointing. But I knew I liked working with these guys before. Yeah. And so then... Interject just the, the shameless plug because I we were sort of on the on the ground with that. I don't know whose idea it was. I suspect it was Colton's because Colton had recently done uh, my interview podcast and uh, he reached out to me to do an interview, uh, do a comedy wham interview for that festival. So I got that was my first introduction of working, actually working with Colton, not just being, you know, a a podcast uh, interview with him and that's how we connected and we uh, we clicked I mean he's so he's so easy to get along with uh, and he mm. became our host for the online show so we you know you know I I saw that that hustle just you know from that just little glimpse of of, of that time and yeah right. it was very impressive what you guys pulled together which yeah sadly you had to cancel it because we realized right do anything safely right right well that's that's what i you know it's it a lot of it is like and having a team it's it's about ha like having your roles and kind of knowing your roles and that's what has led us to being being such a great team especially with like this um with this club coming together because it's kind of great like uh like because uh, gabe cavasso says he has his other businesses he's kind of stepped away from comedy so what happened was when i started my um my open mic and then started up some shows I, I had already been talking to Gabe Cuasos and he was like, why don't you just run rough cut? So he kind of just gave me rough cut to run by myself. So that's why I put everything on a rough cut. And I have, like took total control over every aspect of the shows. Cause I knew <clears throat> I liked how I ran stuff. And so, um, but he, anyways, he has his other company. So he's kind of stepped to be like a silent partner in the whole thing, but it's between me, Colton and Rebecca, we just have such a good, such a good chemistry on like, how we see things because they're kind of in charge of, you know, the vision of, making it into the cool space and having our, you know, reputation be so supportive and good in so many different, um, different like parts and communities in Austin. And then my role is to get this thing open by April 21st or April 1st. I mean, like I'm the one, I was kind of the idea guy who like reached out to her brought this idea. Um, I was, I really liked that location. So I'm kind of like into chemistry wise, I kind of just keep pushing everything forward and keeping everybody happy. And Rebecca is the one, She's a, she's a, she's a hard nosed New Yorker. She's uh she like, and I love that about her. She keeps us, she keeps us going in the right direction. She keeps us both moving. And like I said, she ran a very successful comedy club for 14 years in New York. I mean, she's directed, she directed Colin Quinn's uh, last special. She's directed documentaries. She's on the boards of like three different festivals. She's yeah. just, her knowledge of the comedy industry is just so perfect. That's why I reached out to her and knew she'd be great. And so in terms of day-to-day -day operations of the club, I couldn't think of anybody better. I was just like, oh, that's why I always said I would never run a comedy club. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to. It's like, I'm a comedian. I, as much as I like producing and I'm good at it, um, I, wouldn't, I didn't, wouldn't want to run a club. So that's why it's, it's going to be perfect with her running everything, she, her connections, her reputation, the big headliners she's going to bring in. And then like between me and Colton's knowledge of the city and like keeping it, paying homage to Austin and how, how the Austin comedy scene has been. Um, and then 
even down then me running my shows so well, I know how to run shows well during a pandemic. And so all of our different combined roles in chemistry has just, it's led us down. Like it, it's been, uh, we definitely hit some hurdles here and there, but I, it's, it's still, it's still crazy to me. It still hasn't really even set in that we're going to be able to like run a comedy club down here. That's going to be the only comedy club that I would ever want to run. And it's the coolest comedy club. And it's going to be run by Rebecca Trent, who's like the godmother of New York comedy. So it's super cool to me. Yeah. Are you planning on moving your shows that right now you have at different venues there? Or are you going to keep uh, kind of your, your toe in the, in the broader scene by being at these other venues? Right. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I, I'm definitely going to keep uh, my other shows going. I mean, they, um, right now it's pretty great because they built into something where they're pretty self-sustainable so i don't have to go too uh too hard into promoting them which is awesome keeps some gives me more time and they're uh and i have i've kind of been kind of delegating a little bit out to people like on my monday show um ian john is this guy i know who actually we started back in wisconsin together but he co-hosts the show with me so that if i'm ever out of town or i'm gone on a monday he can step up and host it for me and he does a great job same with tuesdays brendan gay he helps me with baker street pub uh, every Tuesday. And so if I ever miss Tuesdays, which I do, I'm very busy on Tuesdays. He, uh, he steps up and he can host and knowing a lot of these other hosts in town, like Craig Fergola hosts a lot of my shows, Colton Dowling hosts a lot of my shows, Gabe Davis does. Um, we have a lot of great, we, we have a lot of talent here and everybody's chomping at the bit for stage time. I mean, I have, it, it's, it's just, I'm in a great position, but, uh, yeah. So to answer your question, all the other shows will keep running, but I'm trying to delegate more stuff out to people because, it is, it is, I'm doing like pretty much in my mind, like three full-time jobs right now with producing my shows, setting up a comedy club and doing comedy every night. It's just been very overwhelming in the best possible way possible. I'm not complaining. I'm just, uh, you know, it's to that point where people, all my friends are telling me, they're like, you got to take care of your body. They're like, you got to take it. <laughs> like today has been, honestly, it's been so nice that um, I can just kind of sit down and just relax for a day because I'm usually... I mean, because um, like uh, being at that club, it's just my phone is ringing nonstop off the hook every day with either, you know, like like people from, you know, like the Austin Chronicle or just like the contractors and plumbers or comedians calling me or just uh, like my old friends calling me because they heard the news. It's just it, it's it's very busy in the best way possible. But uh, I'm, I'm hoping, especially once we're open and we can get going, then I'll, I'll have more time on my hands because it'll be nice because then Rebecca will be here and running everything and then I can just focus on my doing my comedy and making sure that goes well, because right now I've been as much as I have done comedy every single night, I've been um, much, much more focused on getting this club open up. And once yeah. we, and now that we finally made our announcement, that was like, that was like letting out a sneeze I've held for the last two months. So I was just like, <laughs> all right, everybody knows now I can tell people now I can relax. And like, I mean, it's, 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 was, it's so nice to be able to talk about it finally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I bet. I bet. Uh, okay. I, I, I am the, uh... I want to dip back into a little bit of controversy. Uh, mm -hmm. You said you're you're terrible at social media, so you may not even even know this, but there has been some controversy about the Creek in the Cave and its association with certain festivals and certain types of comics. Mm -hmm. And uh, some Austin comics have made like this declaration of um, whether or not they would perform at at uh, the Creek in the Cave. So again, you know, you're kind of you're you're getting uh well with the whole COVID thing and putting on shows when maybe people weren't ready you kind of had to deal with hey i'm not i'm not going to pressure people you do what what you want how are you dealing with or are you even aware of or how, how are you dealing with <laughs> that type um, of 
Contact. Yeah, yeah, we uh, we heard we heard about some stuff. Um, the thing is, we uh, we're reaching out to to a lot of these people because we don't want anybody to not feel comfortable or not want to perform at our club. It's a great club. And the thing, the thing of what, how that came out was like uh, for backstory, it was like three years ago when they were having this thing called Skank Fest, which is, um, it's by this podcast called Legion of Skanks, which is Big J Okerson and Luis J Gomez and Dave Smith. So they had this thing called Skank Fest. And it's a, it's a very racy, very uh, offensive ish podcast. Or at least some people think it is, which is fine. It's a podcast. You don't listen, or, listen or don't listen. Um, but they had this big festival and I guess, and then they, um, they got Milo Yiannopoulos to come in there and it stirred up some, it stirred up some, uh, some anger in, uh, some of the, um, some of, some of the New York comedy scene that would, that people were mad about that because they thought, they thought because the Creek in a Cave let that festival happen there, that the Creek in a Cave was like right leaning or anti LGBTQ, which is, it's just crazy to me. I mean, if you know, Rebecca, Rebecca has owned and ran that thing herself and Rebecca, I mean, it's just such she's such a, um, I mean, to be honest, she's, she's a liberal first off and second off, like she's uh she, she has so many friends and is part of the LGBTQ uh, groups in, in New York. She's so supportive of that. I mean, it's ironic that they could even say that we are uh, anti LGBTQ when Colton Dowling is an owner, like he's right. an owner and a programming director. Yeah. It would be really weird if we hated gays and then had one running it, everything and owning it. That'd be very strange to me. Um, yeah. But yeah, the thing was, I mean, she dealt with that in New York and we, we've talked about that. We knew that that was something was going to pop up about that here. And, um, you know, it sucks. It's unfortunate. Like, like, I mean, it's given, it's given us, uh, specifically Rebecca, a lot of work that we have to, you know, put out these fires. Cause we don't want to be seen as that at all. Cause I mean, like I said, we, Rebecca, between the th three of us, I'm the most welcoming person in the world, the new comics. Rebecca is just works with everybody. And is one of the most like LGBTQ supportive people I know. Colton himself, same. Colton has worked with Pride Fest the last three years. Colton is, even he does, he does um, LGBTQ uh, festivals. Like we're, so what we're really going to do is we'll, we'll prove to everybody how much we are. That's why, like I said, I mean, I was going to bring in, we were, we were planning on doing all this stuff anyways, but it's glad, or I'm not glad, but it kind of works out because us having burlesque shows, we're going to have a drag brunch. We're going to have, uh, I mean, most of the stuff is going to be run by women, to be honest, which is, you know, there's, all these things we were already going to do because we, we believe in them. We're going to have, we're going to be very supportive of all, you know, all races, all sexual orientations, all like, that's, that's the whole idea of the Creek in the Cave. That's why it was what it was in New York. And she let anybody and everybody run shows. There was four open mics a night there run by uh, a wide variety of people. Um, and so that's why it's, it's the scenes clubhouse and you can't have the scenes, the, the clubhouse or the scene look controversial in a way of like especially people thinking it's not it's not a supportive place it's not at all what this is going to be i mean like i said you're talking to somebody who got nominated for an lgbtq support award like the fact that that got spread around even a little bit it was it was annoying when it came out and because for some people to see that but like i said if anybody were ever just to take the time to really look into it and either talk to rebecca or just look into who's owning the club i think they could see that we're gonna we're gonna be a very supportive place i mean i try to be even even just me specifically for running shows, because I know how easy it is to get for, for to get, because you just don't want to give anybody any ammunition. And so I even, I always make a concerted effort to have like, like people of color and women on most of my shows. You know, if, if I can't find one or someone cancels there and it happens to be a show of all straight white males, I think I fell short and I, I failed in that sense. So I always, I've always had it in the back of my mind because that's just how the world should work. I mean, it, it really should be, you shouldn't, if you can't be seen as just, just booking straight white males. It's going to be, the show's going to be boring. You're not going to have the audience members you want. 
Like it, it can't be, it would be like, I don't know. I, I just, I've always been away from Wisconsin on down, down here. And I brought that with me down here and it showed. And that's why, I mean, like I said, if you talk to anybody that like, any of the people going to the mics at the Lucky Duck mic or anybody who's done my shows, they know that I, they know that I, I make a very concerted effort to put out the, the right product that we want to give people. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, before we start wrapping up, I want to make an observation for anybody, for, you know, this is audio only, but for this, you know, past 45, 50 minutes or so, I've been watching your hat, which says number one dad. And <laughs> I don't know if you're a dad, but the entire uh, uh, feel of the conversation has been very much of like, you know, you mentioned that you were a captain of, of some sports teams growing up. And I just feel very much like you're the, the number one dad on the sideline, like coaching everybody and cheering everybody on. That is very <laughs> vibe you've been giving off this entire conversation. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's how I want to be. I want to be the one cheering everybody on. You know, if everybody around you is better people and more positive, and I'm even just like comic wise, if you've surround yourself with, better, more talented comedians, and it grows the whole scene. Everybody gets better. Everybody's happier. That's why I've always not been, um, like, I've helped even the shows that are going on around town that aren't under rough cut. A lot of them, if not most of them, have come to me and been like, how do you approach venues? How do you set up shows? And it's never competitive with me. I hate that whole competitiveness. I'm going to help you. I'll tell you I'll tell you how to go sell a show to somebody and how to run shows. I don't even, I'm not even asking to be on it. I just want there to be more stage time for everybody. Because the more stage time, the better we all get. Yeah. You have been running on like eight cylinders since, uh, I, I guess, uh, October uh, with shows, with, with this Creek in the Cave development. When all of the dust settles and you're able to take a breather, what do you most want to do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, most want to do. What is your you know, you know, That's a good question because there's two things I can think of. One would be take a vacation where I can just sleep all day. That would be fantastic. I don't even have to leave Austin. I'll just sleep in my bed all day. That would be great. If I have nothing, I should just clear a day and do that. Yeah. Um, and then number two would be, I would really love going back out to live concerts and live sporting events. I haven't really had a chance and I know everything's kind of hopefully on its way back down and things can open back up. And I hope they do because I really miss going to live things. I'm a very like, like I said, I'm not a very good technology person. I just like, I like live, live stuff. I like live concerts, seeing bands, even just local bands. I loved it. And I love like live sports. Um, it's just so, it's so great. And um, I mean, the Austin FC, we're getting a soccer team that I'm going to go check yeah. out too, hopefully soon. <laughs> yeah. And a rugby team too. So. Oh, really? That'd be awesome. Oh, Colton's a big rugby guy. We can go see some rugby games. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. I forgot their name. It's some inside thing. Uh, their name it's, it does not roll off the tongue <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> uh, hmm. yeah live sports live live music and uh we we already see live live comedy we can see live comedy now and it's uh about to boom how did you how did you feel with this week being such a big comedy news with you know you make your announcement and then like the day after cap city announces it's it's, uh, <laughs> I know it's big news. I'm I'm so happy for them. I think it's going to be great. They have a they have a great spot up in the uh, in the domain. I mean, yeah. I've only been to the domain like two or three times, but it's, it seems like a cool area. I mean, that's where all the all the new tech kids are moving in. All the Tesla people and the new Apple factory thing we're getting, they're all moving up there to the domain, and so it's a cool spot. And in terms of uh, having 
a clientele with money that's going to come out to a comedy show, they're going to be in a great spot. And yeah. that's what's great is Austin's so big. I mean, we're right downtown. They're 30 minutes away from us. So, you know, we're going to, I think we'll be able to be running shows too. And then Rogan will have his huge club on the South side. He didn't make his announcement yet. Cause I think he's building it from the ground up. So I'm sure it'll take a year and a half, but, um, but no, I think, and like I said, that's the whole idea with the competitiveness. I, I don't, we're not in competition. It's all about making Austin the place to come see live comedy. So yeah. making this the comedy hub of the U S cause you know, it seems like a lot of people, that's why so many comics are moving here because it's so great. There's going to be so many opportunities and, you know, thank, thank God that Joe Rogan followed me down here. Yeah. <laughs> I convinced him and he said, you know what, Marty, I think you're right. I think it's going to be awesome. So that's why he decided to come down. <laughs> uh, tell me which episode of JRE you were on again, Marty. <laughs> oh, you know, I said slip in my mind. I was on so many times. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, it's an exciting time to be in Austin. That's for sure. It definitely is. Um, uh, is there anything that we haven't covered that you absolutely wanted to make sure that people knew about about you before uh, I close out? Um, not really. I mean, not not much. I mean, just follow um follow at uh, at Rough Cut Comedy on Instagram and Facebook. Everybody, um, that's where you find all the shows. We have some indoor shows, some outdoor shows. If you don't want to go inside yet, um, follow uh, uh, Creek and Cave ATX. That's going to be our new Instagram for. Uh, the Creek in a Cave. We're going to start rolling out the show announcements, which are going to be big announcements. We have the headliners we're talking to for the first like month or two are going to be just outstanding. I'm so excited. We're going to, and then I'm with um, a couple of my shows and I'm going to start up there. We're just going to hit, hit the ground running and start off with a bang. It's going to be great. So follow Creek in a Cave, a Creek and a Cave, ATX on Instagram and social media everywhere. Uh, and then follow Comedian Marty. That's all my stuff. Um, I'm on a bunch of shows too. And as much as I, uh, I'm a producer. I also am a pretty good comic. So come follow, uh, follow me, come out and see me on some shows. Um, and then, yeah, just come out, come out to some live comedy, come out to Austin. It's a great time to be here. It's, it's the best city I've ever been to. And I'm so glad to call this place my home and to call myself part of the Austin comedy scene. Yeah. Very good. All right. So are you ready for your closing question? Sure. I'm ready. One word to describe your future. Um, I'd say enjoyment. Very good. I think you've set it all up so that you could do that. Yeah, I hope so. I've worked, I've worked hard and it's all coming together finally. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, very impressive. Um, all right. Well, that is a wrap on Comedy Wham Presents Marty Clark. Uh, tell us, uh, I know you just went through the plugs, but it does you know does not offend me at all let's uh, go through all those plugs uh one more night time and actually why don't you tell us when when do you think we'll start seeing the first announcements about the creek in the cave and some shows sure sure um so yeah so the the big announcements will probably will probably start to roll out the first week in march so it'll be right after march 1st i mean we kind of have an idea of how we want to program and schedule everything and we just kind of um we just got to, and we have a couple confirmations that I'm very excited about, but they'll start rolling out probably in March, March 1st. And then um, I've been bringing, bringing, you know, people here and there through to see it. It's going to be, it's going to be a cool spot. It's going to be awesome. It's so go at Creek and Cave ATX, everybody on Facebook and Instagram, and you'll start seeing those shows rolling out those big announcements. We're very excited. Um, and then uh, follow at Rough Cut Comedy for all my kind of satellite shows, as I call them. <laughs> um, and then uh, follow at Comedian Marty for all my personal shows that I'm on. So yeah, come, come out and see some live comedy. It's very, very exciting. <laughs>
Very good. All right. Well, thank you. And thank you for doing our, our Castro show uh, two, two weeks ago now. And thank yeah. you. <laughs> uh, anybody listening, uh, we're recording this on Valentine's Day. So we're, we're spending part of our Valentine's together, <laughs> yep. uh, hopefully spreading the comedy love uh, mm -hmm. when the episode comes out. Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed learning about how Marty got to be the comedic and producing genius that you heard today just as much as I have. This has been Comedy Wham presents Marty Clark. I'm Valerie and that's been funny. Thank you, Marty. Thank you so much for having me, Valerie. Thank you.